Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. The last 12 months, are you kidding me? Incredible. Isn't it fun to be a part of what God is doing in San Diego and beyond? God couldn't do without you, without your faithfulness, without your sacrifice. So thank you for, like my wife said, thank you for doing what you do because that is the result of your hard work, of your giving, of your sacrifice. So why don't you give yourself one more round of applause. Amen. Punch, most of you already sat down. Punch somebody anyways on the way down. Hang with me just for a sec. I wanted to pray for a couple of people real quick. Frankie and Janelle. Can you guys stand up? How many people love Frankie and Janelle? Pretty good looking people. You guys kind of match tonight. You always match. Good job. <laughs> great job, great job. Yeah, just turn your palms towards heaven. I just, during worship, looked over at you guys, and I just saw, like, um, I just saw you guys rising above the crowd. And um, I just feel like God's hand is, is on you uniquely right now, like in this season specifically, and he is raising you up to do mighty things for, for him in the kingdom. You guys are... You guys are marketplace giants, you're go-getters, you're committed, you're disciplined. But I just see the Holy Spirit coming on you tonight in a new, fresh way. And you're gonna find a flow in the Holy Ghost, not just a flow in the marketplace. And you're gonna start to hunger for the things of God even more than hungering, or equally or more than the things you hunger for in business. And you're gonna find that you do have an anointing in the, in the ministry realm and that God's going to begin to speak to you about things that he hasn't spoken to you about before. So Father, I thank you for this great couple. I thank you for the anointing of God on them, Lord, on their business, on their marriage, and on their ministry. I thank you for fresh oil tonight, Lord, fresh eyes to see, fresh ears to hear. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in their, in their world collectively. I just see you rising in, in every area. The beautiful thing about God is he's not just going to anoint you in ministry and cause you to fall in the marketplace. Both are going to rise. Both are going to flourish. You're going to have influence in both. So, Father, I thank you for this great couple. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are amazing. Ben and Shelly, can you guys stand up? Look at these guys. Look at that ring on your finger. Holy moly. What a beautiful, what a beautiful couple. Just do the same thing. Just put your hands towards God. And that's what I saw with, with you, Ben, during worship. I just saw um, 
It's like I saw God reaching down into the depths of the spirit realm and pulling out like the anointing, like, like, um, like Shelly's been all over the world. She's, you know, mentored by Mike, Pastor Mike Connell, powerful man of God. But I saw God reaching into the spirit realm and putting an anointing on you. And, and it's not, it's, you're, you're not just like a, a marketplace guy either. You are a powerful man of God. And God brings people together and he says, let them have dominion together. And he anoints couples. And so the strengths that, that Shelly has are going to cause your, your strengths to rise. And the strengths that you have are going to cause her, hers to rise together. But I specifically saw this, this powerful picture. And he was like reaching so far, like into the depths, like his whole arm was disappearing into the depths of the spirit realm and pulling out so much power, so much anointing. And I just saw you guys walking out together, uh, like with fire on you. And so, Lord, I thank you for this great couple. Lord, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you that together they're going to do great and mighty things that they could never do by themselves. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless this beautiful couple. Bless this beautiful couple. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right. It is Vision Builders Sunday. Thanks, guys. We'll see you back in a little bit. Sorry, Vision Builders Wednesday. Did I say Sunday? It's Vision Builders Wednesday. And um, what's, what's beautiful about Vision Builders is, number one, we have a vision, and two, we're building something. And so it's always good to have a vision. It's always good to build something. Um, there was a pastor, Pastor Phil Pringle. He was a, one of Pastor Jurgen's pastors, and he said, uh, regarding longevity in ministry and in life, he said this. He said, he said spend your own money. Sleep with your own wife and always build buildings. And the inference is live a life of integrity, but always have a vision in front of you. You don't build a building without a plan. You have a plan. And he said, always build buildings. Always be shooting for something. Always be moving forward. Always be looking forward. Always be dreaming of something. And uh, without a vision, the Bible says that people perish. But if you never accomplish your dreams or your vision, it'll make you sick. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And so I always tell people, don't, yes, dream big, but, but, but don't dream so big, it's like has no wisdom involved. There's no wisdom attached to it. So you never accomplish anything that you're dreaming for, so you're always sick, and you're always failing, and you're always failing. Like, like use wisdom, and then sprinkle some faith on it. Sprinkle some faith on it. I remember uh, early on in my in my walk here, I was I was like on fire for God. The, the the I was on fire for the Holy Spirit. I wanted to see miracles. I wanted to see people come out of wheelchairs. I wanted to raise the dead. I wanted to see cancer uh, destroyed. And uh, and so I, I started to we started to pray for things in our prayer meetings. And I remember Mark telling me, he said. He said, if you don't have faith for, to pull somebody out of a wheelchair, that's okay. Believe God for something small and then build on that. So I remember we were believing God for, for our, the very first miracle at men's prayer was Tim Giordano's wedding ring. He lost his wedding ring and we came to men's prayer. This is like 
18 years ago, whatever, 17 years ago, and we're all sitting in a room and we wrote down on our, on our, on our, on our little booklet, on our journal, let's believe God is going to find his, his uh, wedding ring. The next day or the next week at men's prayer, he comes back with a God story. He said, you're never going to believe this. I was just walking down a path I never go on. And I looked down and I saw my wedding ring. And we were like, let's go. I can believe for a wedding ring. I may not be at, you know, raising the dead yet, but I can believe for that. And so start with something you can believe for. So I was talking about on Sunday, like if you're, if you're a vision builder, you may not be able to give, you know, $100,000 or $10,000 or $50,000, but maybe you can give $10 a month. My wife started giving $10 a month. And you might say, well, that's not going to have a big impact on the church. What's the point? But it will have a big impact on you. Because you got to start somewhere. And if you can be a good steward with where you are, guess what? God's going to expand you and he's going to grow you. And your vision's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And what I found over the years, and there's kind of like this huge buildup to vision builders, right? It's like we're all believing God and we got all these buildings and we got all these missions. But vision builders is not just about the church's vision. Vision Builders is about your vision. We believe this, that if you partner with the one thing that Jesus said he's going to build, he's going to build your life too. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in other words, he's going to build the church with or without our participation. But he's giving you and I an opportunity, especially during Vision Builders, to hitch our life to what he's doing. And if you hitch your life to what God is doing, you're going to walk into blessing. I believe that with all my heart. If I'm taking care of his bride, come on, he's going to get some seed to me. If I'm, if I'm giving into the church, if I'm, if I'm sacrificing to the church, he gives seed to the sower. And so if you partner with him, with his vision, he's going to partner with your vision. 100% agree, or 100% believe that. And what I found over the years, though, is that in this life, we will have a big buildup to something. We will have a great victory in something, or we will be dreaming of something. And we finally get to the top of the mountain, and we realize it's not all that. It's not all what it, wor- what it, what it was worked up to be. It's not all I, I believed it to be in my mind. And so I remember, I remember thinking in my, in my 20s, like, like, man, I can't wait till I make $100,000, man. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be good. And then I made 100000 I'm like, shoot. The life, the tree of life didn't last very long. It was like, okay, that was cool for like a day. And now I just have more bills. And now I just have more things to do. And now I just, you know, like inflate, whatever. And so I, rem- I, re- I remember thinking, man, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Life ain't all about money. And then I, I was reading this story or watching this, this video about Dennis Rodman. Anybody know who Dennis Rodman is? He's a basketball player in the, in the NBA, and he won multiple championships. And I remember watching this documentary on him, and, and he had, um, you know, uh, just won the NBA championship. And you would think, I mean, the dude's making like tens of million dollars a year. He just won the NBA championship. There's no higher pinnacle than that in basketball. He's achieved the highest thing that he can achieve. And he was talking about how the same night they won the NBA championship, that same night he's in his hotel room wanting to kill himself. You would think he had everything. Mike Tyson, the same thing. One of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Won the heavyweight championship of the world. The baddest man on the planet. 
the, the highest paid athlete in the world, has anything the world would say he can have, and yet he wanted to kill himself and end his life. He didn't feel like his life had any kind of purpose. Sometimes it's not all it's cracked up to be to get to our, our vision. There's something called, uh, I was looking this up because I was just thinking about vision builders and how there's this big, this big buildup and we're trying to hear from God and a lot of us had put in our first fruits and my wife and I, for example, have no idea how we're gonna fulfill our commitment over the next 12 months, but we felt like God told us to stretch. And so we're, we're believing God, we're believing God. We give our first fruits, the music's playing, you know, heaven has fallen and then you wake up on Monday and you're like, what have I done? Lord, was that really you? Was that really you? And uh, even, on a, even sometimes on a Sunday, I'll get up here and I've prepared a message all week and it's all this build up to the Sunday. And then on Sunday, you know, you release the word that you believe God has given you and you see people giving their lives to Christ for the very first time, crying on the altar. You see, you see healings and, and miracles and all this crazy stuff. And it's like you're at the peak, the pinnacle and then on Monday morning, you're like, my life has no purpose. <laughs> what am I even doing here? What's, you know, what's, what's my future even about? And so I was, I was looking at, at that, and it's because for you, it might be something else. For you, maybe you've achieved something in the world, and you were thinking it was going to be all of this in a bag of chips, and it's just not what you thought it was. Why does that happen? There's actually a thing. It's actually a psychological, physiological thing and they call it the arrival fallacy. The arrival fallacy. Now, that's the name of my message tonight. The arrival fallacy. And it says, many people think that once they accomplish something they truly desire, they will experience lasting happiness. However, they usually only attain temporary happiness, followed by emotionally cratering sadness. The civil rights icon Mahatma Gandhi once said the true, that true satisfaction is found in our sustained efforts to attain a goal and not in the actual goal attainment. In other words, happiness is a journey. Happiness is never a destination. Amazingly, many people become appreciably less happy after doing or attaining something they previously believed that they wanted. And so this is like a real psychological thing that happens, but how do we avoid the arrival fallacy? Because there is a, a, a worldly arrival fallacy, but there's also a spiritual arrival fallacy where we can take down giants. We can see miracle signs and wonders, and the next day we feel depressed or we feel fearful or we feel like our life doesn't have, doesn't have purpose. Now, the advantage that we have in the kingdom is the world strives for happiness, which is dependent on what happens, but we have access to joy, which is not on the outside, but is on the inside. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says that, that in, the, in, in his presence is the fullness of joy. So we don't have to strive for what happens to be happy. We can actually have sustained joy on the journey no matter what happens. That's how Paul and Silas are in a jail, chained in a jail, facing death the next day. And they can sing out and they can pray to God in a jail cell because joy is not what's going on around you. Joy is living on the inside of you. That's how we avoid the arrival fallacy. But I was, I was, uh, I was thinking about Elijah the prophet. You know Elijah the prophet. 
one of the coolest stories in the Bible. Elijah is a prophet, and he goes and he challenges he challenges the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah, 850 prophets. And he said, let's go to war. Let's, let's see who can call down fire. Let's see which God answers. And so he goes to the, to the, to the altar and he says, you guys go first. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah didn't even show up. They're like, I ain't messing with that dude. He's a prophet. 450 prophets of Baal come, and he says, you guys go first. Go ahead, cry out to your God, and see if, see if your gods bring down fire to, to, to the sacrifice. And so they do it, and they're doing it all day, and, and by midday, nothing's happening. And so now Elijah's taunting them. He's saying, maybe your God's going to the bathroom. You know, maybe he's on vacation and all this kind of stuff. He's just taunting them because they're crying out to a God that's dead. That's not even... And so... And so as you can imagine, they start cutting themselves as it was their practice, and they're trying to do all these dances and weird things to try to get their God to bring down fire on the sacrifice. Well, when that doesn't happen, when that doesn't happen, Elijah gets up there and he said, God, let them see that you are the God of Israel. And so fire falls, sucks up the, the, all the water that's around it, you know, sucks up the, the, the sacrifice, and then they say, you know, he is the, he's the God, and then the Bible says that he executes all 450 prophets of Baal. Not only that, then he goes and he prays because they were in the middle of a drought and he unlocks a drought that was happening for years so it starts to rain. Not only that, but then the Spirit of God comes on him and he runs past a chariot to beat the flood so, that, so he had supernatural speed. So he's like, fire from heaven unlocks a drought, speeds past a chariot. I mean, this dude is crazy. He, he, he's crazy. And then, and then the Bible says this in 1 Kings 19, 2 to 4. It says, so Jezebel, who was the queen of Israel, Ahab was the king. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed all of the prophets. So she says, may the gods strike me. What gods? He was just crying out to these gods and they didn't even respond. And now Jezebel says, those gods that didn't even respond, they're going to kill you. Or they're going to kill me if I don't kill you. And so Elijah was afraid for his life. This is the miracle guy that just called down fire. And some woman that's not even there says, my gods who don't exist are going to kill me if I don't kill you. And so he was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He was just on the mountaintop. He just achieved the victory. This is called a rival spiritual fallacy. He's on the mountaintop. And he says, and he prays that he might die. And he says, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then the angel of the Lord comes and encourages him. Verse 8, so he got up, ate, and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai and the mountain of God. Then he came to a cave where he spent the night. He came to a cave where he spent the night. Then the Lord speaks to Elijah. He says, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like, what are you doing here, Elijah? How did you get here, Elijah? 
You just called down fire. You just ran faster than a chariot. You just unlocked the drought. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel had broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And the Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was, a, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? How did you get here, Elijah? How did you succumb to the spiritual arrival fallacy? What I found, the devil is here to kill, steal, and destroy your life. So when God will speak a word to you, man, you're going to do this, this. You're going to buy a home. You're going to give this. You're going to get married. You're going to do this. The second God speaks to you, the devil will come in and try to steal that word from you. Elijah just had the greatest victory in the history of the Bible, maybe. And then Jezebel just sows a word, and now he wants to kill himself, and his life has no purpose. I found that to be true in, 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 in a lot of the, the things that we're doing, and, and even recently in, our, in our, uh, my wife and I's journey uh, of house buying. It's like as soon as you think you've won, the devil tries to steal whatever you think you've won and ruin your victory and your celebration dance. The, the worship team can come up. And so, and so a couple of years ago, my wife and I, four years ago, or five years ago now, we, we were on a, a house journey, and we were looking for houses for like six months. And uh, we couldn't find a house, and, and, and we, got, we finally got a word that was released from a prophet by Mike Mayne and said, you're going to, it's time for you to buy a house. And so we were like, yes, we got a word. We, he released the word. So right after that, we found our, what we called our dream home. So we go into this dream home, we walk in, and we're like, this is our house. God spoke to us. My sons and I prophesied in the master bedroom. I called my wife and said, this is our house. She comes and looks at it. That week, we're getting all of our paperwork together. And then on the Friday, I'm about to make an offer on this house. And wouldn't you know it, while I'm, while I'm working actually on a message to preach on a Sunday, I see Redfin pop up pending. I'm like, that was my house. Like the devil's trying to steal my stuff. And so I went back to God and I'm like, God, is this? And he said, no, that's your house. And so you guys have heard the story. We started to curse the contract. And we commanded that contract to fall apart. And we, we asked God to move the hearts of the buyers to another house and that we would have favor with the sellers. Long story short, my wife meets the owners, writes them this letter that made me cry uh, about how awesome our family is. <laughs> And then wouldn't you know it, I get a call and the agent says, hey, are you still interested? This thing's getting shaky. And I'm like, heck yeah, we're interested. We didn't have a loan approval. I said, heck yeah, we're interested. <laughs> so she, she uh, a, couple of, uh, a couple of days later says, said it's falling out. The owners don't want to put it back on the market. They only want to sell it to you. And so we're like, yeehaw, this is our house. This is our house, but now we got to get a loan. And so we're like, God, you said you were going to give it to us. Now it's ours, but now we got to get a loan, and we couldn't find a loan anywhere. 
our broker worked with like 20 banks, couldn't find a, a bank that would loan us money. And so we get down to the, to the wire and right as we were, we were gonna, we had to make a decision to either remove contingencies or move forward. And if we move contingencies, then we were gonna lose our deposit if we didn't close and we didn't have a loan yet. Right at that same time, the agent calls me and says, we just got an all cash offer taunting us. It's like Goliath. It's like Goliath. She brought a Goliath in front of us, taunting us. So we said, forget that. We're removing contingencies. I don't care about my deposit. God told us this is our house. We're going all in. We're going all in. Devil, you're not going to steal what God has already spoken to us. So we go all in. We end up closing a couple of days before uh, escrow was supposed to close, and we get our house. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then Bayho Campus comes up. Bayho Campus comes up and we're like, oh my gosh, Mike Maiden, same guy, releases a word, this property pops up. And we're like, yes, this is it. Like everything's lining up. All the stars were aligned. This was like our property. We've been believing for another central reason property for years. And so we go and we, we tour the property. We, we, we are believing God to put in an offer. They finally let us put in an offer six months after we're praying for it. If you come to men's prayer, you know we've been praying for that thing for a while. And so six months after we are praying for this property, they finally are accepting offers. And wouldn't you know it, they get 19 offers. So 19 offers gets to five. We're in the top five. Then it goes to two. We're in the top two. And we're thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, we're kingdom, their kingdom. Of course they're going to give it to us. But guess what? The developer that we were up against had an all-cash offer. And we were like, hmm, this sounds familiar. So they choose the all-cash offer. So what do we do? We start warring against the contract. We're cursing the contract, not cursing the people, cursing the contract. God, you know, give us favor. We're fighting in warfare. And the next thing you know, we get a call a couple of weeks later. Are you still interested? and the Salvation Army property at the same price. And I'm like, let me pray about it, yes. <laughs> and so we, we end up, as you guys know, close on that property uh, like about 16 days later, I think it was, and we were in it two months later, and now it's flourishing and there's signs, wonders, <laughs> miracles happening over there. People are getting saved. It's incredible what's happening. But just when we thought we had won, the devil tries to come in and steal what God is trying to get to you. Just recently, in fact, we've been looking for a house for a year. Last June, almost to this day, we sold our, our house because God said, I want you to, to move. And when you move, it's going to unlock a building. As soon as we put our house on the market, Bayho Campus came available. No lie, within the same week. And so we're like, yes. And so we, we, we believed that June was going to be our time to find our house. And we were, of course, open to sooner. <laughs> but we knew that we felt like June, like, God, you can do it in June. Like, and, and so, uh, which would have been a year after, after we sold our house. And so we were getting down to the wire. This was last Thursday. There was nothing uh, on, on the table, we didn't have anything, any offers in. We didn't have any houses that, that kind of worked. We had a couple of maybes. We had put in a couple of Hail Mary offers. Nothing was working out. And we didn't want to move into a certain area, so we weren't really looking. And then, and then we decided, you know what, unless we get a, we're going to go look. And if we don't get a, a no from the Holy Ghost, we're going to go for it. Or maybe if we like it. And so we go up to see this house. And wouldn't you know it, we like it. 
and it's in June, and it's the it's the two, yeah the day of Vision Builders Thursday, the day of Vision Builders. So we go look at the house. And we're like, shoot, I knew I was gonna like this place if I saw it. And then we the next day, so we so Thursday night we put in our 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 Vision Builders commitment, and we put in a commitment that was bigger than we thought than we'd ever put in before because we needed a miracle that was bigger than we've ever needed before. And so we put in a we put in a, a a commitment. We put in our first fruits, and then the next day we took our kids because we knew we were going to meet the owners of the house, and we wanted them to meet our kids because you know we're a cute family, and maybe we could find favor. You got to do stuff in the natural and the spiritual, right? Come on, you can't just pray. Faith without works is dead. So we bring our kids. We're like Henley, you know, dress really cute, smile a lot, look look them in the eye, shake their hand. And, uh, and so we go, we meet the family. So Saturday, we put in the offer. And we put in the offer a couple of hundred thousand less than what it's listed for, believing God, because my wife wants to fix it up, so we need money to fix it up. So, you know, just kind of do the math, and there you go. And, uh, and plus, we wanted it to be a God deal. Well, she gets back to us, and she says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the sellers tonight, but it's, like, looking pretty good. Like, it's looking really good. And I'm like, I actually said, God, where's the miracle in this? Like, this is kind of easy. And uh, spoke a little bit too soon because the devil was coming in. So Sunday we were supposed to hear, and if you were here at the 12 o'clock, I got a text when I was sitting over there, and I was hoping to share the good news. But that text said, I want to call you later. And then she didn't call me later. She called me Monday morning, and she said, she said we got an all-cash offer on Sunday night that is much better than your offer. And it was almost laughable. Like, like devil, your tricks are the same over and over and over again. You're a liar. You're a stealer. You roam around like a lion, seeking to whom you're, you may desire, but you're a fake lion. You're not scary to us anymore. We know your tricks. And so we immediately went into warfare, and we're praying, and we just felt a peace about what was happening. And so, uh, and so... Uh, you know, I said, don't do anything without calling me. So she calls me back later that night, and she said, she said, the other offer, I had her on speakerphone so my wife could hear, the other offer was, was a lot better than yours. And, um, and she said, but, because she's the daughter of the, of the seller, she said, but my parents really love your family, and they want to sell it to you, and they want you to live in their house. And so they actually lowered the price. I'm not even kidding. They lowered the price to get us into the house. And I think we might have a photo. I don't know. But we're now in escrow. We're now in escrow. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it if you don't give up and you keep believing God. Don't fall for the arrival fallacy. God wants to deliver the word that he, that he spoke to you, that he spoke to you. So I want to give you a couple, of quick, a couple of quick points on how to avoid the spiritual arrival fallacy. Is that cool? We're going to go quick. The first one is don't be alone. The Bible says Elijah drops off his servant and goes alone in the wilderness, and then he wants to kill himself. What I've learned being in this church, that community is everything. 
everything. Get into a connect group. Get on a team. Make friends. Invite somebody out to dinner. Invite somebody out to lunch. Don't do this thing alone. The first thing God said to Adam was, it's not good for man to be alone. When you're alone, the devil can come in. That's what he wants. He wants you to be alone. He picks on those people that are devourable. When we got into this contract, guess what? We were not alone. We were sending text messages to our friends saying, can you pray? Can you warfare? There's a giant that just came in, an all-cash offer. Curse that thing. Don't do this thing alone. Don't be like Elijah. Number two, make sure you have a secret place. Elijah goes to a cave And when he's in the cave, see, we think God is like an event God. We think we got to go to Awaken Conference or Emerge or Cherish, and we should go to all of those things. Because we want, because God's an event God, and he only shows up in the big events. But Elijah goes into the cave, and there's an earthquake, but God wasn't in the big event. There was a a mighty wind that broke up rocks, but God wasn't in, in the rocks. There was a fire. It's like you would think God's in the fire. Man, God's in this event. There's this event's called fire. I'm going to go to this event because it's called fire. I'm going to encounter God. But God wasn't in the fire. It It says the voice of God was just a gentle voice. God is a relationship God. He's not an events based God. The Bible says this in Matthew 6, 6 says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. There's nothing wrong with encountering God at the big thing, at the earthquake, at the fire. But if you want to avoid the spiritual arrival fallacy, you got to be consistent in your secret place. you got to be consistently encountering God in your day-to-day walk. Because he wants to be, he wants to speak to you every day, not just on the mountaintop, not just at the big event. He wants your focus to be on him, not just on the thing or the event or the victory. If you remember the disciples, he sends the disciples out and he goes, go cast out demons, heal the sick and all this stuff. And they come back and they're God. They're like, Jesus, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, that's cool that you had the big event. You had the big thing. You had to, you know, cast out the demon. They were screaming. It was awesome. But rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Keep, keep the main thing, the main thing. Don't walk away from the big thing, but keep the main thing the main thing. Have a relationship with God outside of the mountaintop experience. The third one is the word. Get in the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to put faith in you, hear the word of God. Get in church on a Sunday. Get in church on a Wednesday. Get to prayer meeting on a Tuesday where the word of God is released and you'll find faith hits your life. The other thing you'll find is testimonies. And when people tell their testimony on a Tuesday morning at men's and women's prayer, faith will hit you. Because with every testimony, there's a spirit of prophecy. So when I'm sharing my testimony, I'm prophesying God can do it for you. 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 You need to be in an environment where the word of God is released because the devil will come after your faith. Don't lose the faith that you sowed your seed in. My wife says. That's why I was looking at her. 
you got to keep that faith. The faith that we sowed our commitment in, the faith that we sowed our first fruits in, we got to keep that faith. The devil tried to steal that faith, and you're going to fall into to a depressive mode. So don't, don't let him steal your faith. Number four, speak faith. Elijah said, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I'm afraid. Kill me. What? Even if you feel that way, don't speak that way. Especially not to God who actually can kill you like that. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong, not I am weak. Speak to those things that aren't as though they are. Start to speak faith. Start to speak what you see. Start to speak what God has told you. And you'll find those things begin to come to pass. Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's going to be my prayer this, this year. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Come on, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and gold is his, says God. Psalm 23, begin to speak faith. Number five, war according to the prophecy. 1 Timothy 1:18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 1 Timothy 6:12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. You got to fight based on the prophecies that was previously given to you. You guys, I've said this story before, but I was, I, we lost everything years ago in real estate, right? And then I, we started a business, I don't know, six years ago. And we got to a point where we, we were being like sued by these big companies, big corporations that could just squash us from an innocent mistake. And I thought, I was Elijah. I'm like, we started this company, things are going good. And then the devil comes in and then I was depressed. I was like, I mean, I didn't say God kill me, but I was like, man, I was depressed. But I got into my secret place and I began to pray. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't lining up. I'm like, God, you, you said, God, you said this was gonna work out. You said this was gonna be good. You said that, this wasn't going to happen again to me. You weren't going to allow this to happen again to me. And I remember walking, and I remember God spoke to me, and he said, remember the call. Remember the call. And so because I got that word, I began to warfare according to that prophecy that God gave me. And nothing actually happened. These big companies, it was all this worthless, you know, letters and lawsuits that didn't come to anything. But there was a point in time where I was like Elijah, and I was like, God, I don't even know if I can live. Like, if I have to go through that again, my wife will probably divorce me. Oh, uh, thanks, babe. You're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. The last one. Let's stand to our feet. The last one. The last one is what I said before, and it's keep building. Keep building, keep building. Tommy Barnett says, never catch up to your dreams. Dream and then dream again. Dream and then dream again. The language of the Holy Ghost is visions and dreams. He wants to give you a vision. He wants to give you a dream so that you can continue to build. I'll never forget, I don't know, four or five years ago, whenever it was, we were in Phoenix, Arizona, and... Um, we were at Dream City Conference and I was with Pastor Jurgen and a few other leaders. And, and at that time it was, you know, we were gonna be one church in four locations. You guys have heard that. 
And we were coming up to the four locations. Like we had just secured East Campus. That was the fourth location. And Pastor Jurgen tells a story. He's like, all right, God, am I done? And then in the conference, you go up to the top of the mountain and you ask God for a dream. It's called Dream City Conference. You ask God for a dream and you, and you write it down, kind of like our vision cards that we do in, in January. And we walk up to the, on the way up to the mountain, God speaks to Pastor Jurgen and says, and says you're gonna, you're gonna uh, have 16 campuses in San Diego. So he goes from four to 16. And so right as Pastor Jurgen's catching up to his dream, God gives him another one. Whenever you're catching up to your dream, make sure you ask God for another one, for another one. Because remember, joy is in the journey. Keep walking with God. Keep walking with God. Keep walking with God to avoid the spiritual arrival fallacy. Amen. Come on, let's keep building. We got a lot of work to do in San Diego. We're only at six. We got 10 more to do, and we need your help. All of us together, we can take a city. We can take a region. We can take a state. We can impact the country. We can impact the world just with the people right here and right now. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you right now for the power of God. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you don't want to just give us mountaintop experiences and allow the devil to come in and steal our joy. Father, I pray that we would access that joy that is not around us, but that joy that is in us, the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I thank you that we're building things. And God, I thank you that those people that have put their hand up to build the house of God, Lord, that you will build their house. So Lord, I'm praying this year, this vision builder's year, Father, that our vision would not shrink, but it would expand. Lord, that 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 our 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 visions would be accomplished this year and that it would bring life into our worlds and life into the house of God, into the church. Father, I thank you that this year is going to be marked by miracles. Marked by miracles. Marked by miracles. Marked by miracles. And I would just say to you, if you're not feeling full of faith, I would ask you the question that God asked Elijah, how did you get here? Elijah, how did you get here? Look back on how you got here so that you don't get there again. Get around people. Speak the word of God. Get into a secret place. Keep building. Keep asking God for visions. Father, I thank you that you have built a community of people that are territory takers. And Lord, we thank you that this year is going to be the greatest year at Awaken Church. And it's going to be the greatest year in our lives. Father, that all the dreams and visions are going to come to pass. It's going to be amazing. We're all going to fulfill our commitments miraculously. We're going to buy homes. We're going to take territory. We're going to get married. We're going to have peace. We're going to have joy. There's going to be babies. There's going to be families. There's going to be all kinds of things happening in Jesus' name. Amen. One more question. Just close your eyes really quick, 30 seconds. Is there anybody here tonight? And maybe you have never asked Jesus into your life. I want to give you an opportunity tonight. Or maybe you feel really far away from him and you need a second chance tonight. You want to get with Jesus again. If you're one of those two people, can you just lift your hand where you are? Everybody's eyes closed. God bless you up there. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Thank you right here. God bless you. Thank you in the middle. Thank you over here to my left. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Up here to my right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer with your eyes closed. Just say these words, especially those of you that lifted your hands. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, tonight, I invite you into my life, and I ask that you would help me live a life that glorifies you. Tonight, I declare that I am saved, that heaven is my home, and God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.